couple things. I am looking forward to Sunday night with um, going out with the singles, so we'll go right after the Sunday night service, so please do remember that. And then um, also we are, we're looking forward to Brother Martin. It's good. We've had several guest speakers over this month, and it's good to have guest speakers in. And uh, I have to listen to my, you have to listen to me all the time. I don't understand that. And I have to listen to myself. And uh, I don't like listening to me. But uh, I don't mind looking at myself. It's just listening to myself that's a problem. But be thankful we have these different folks in and so forth. We do have one blessing I did want to share. The, um, the Port of Long Beach, I'll take this off now, guys. Am I on here? Okay, I'll take this off. The Port of Long Beach, what they do is all these different trucks that come in, <clears throat> they make them put money, if I understand it correctly, into like funds, and then periodically they'll have grants that they give to certain organizations uh, to help with things. Uh, the air, air conditioning we have running throughout the building next door, I don't know if you remember, we got a grant from the port for that. Anybody remember that? I, now they put it in, it looks like Chipotle in my office, but um, it works just ni nicely. They had another grant, and of course, um, once we finish this building in a few months, <coughs> what we want to do is we need to finish doing a quick remodel of the inside of the building right over here. Now, we've done a lot outside already. We've kind of like pieced it out a little bit. The Spanish remodeled the auditorium, and um, we, did a, we did partial, uh, so we did a little bit of work on the chapel. We've done a lot of work on the outside and closed that little room for bus ministry, Sunday school, and we've done a lot of the smaller things, but we're going to need to do some remodeling on the inside, which isn't a big cost, but we're going to have to raise that money. But the, the city of Long Beach to the port had a grant to pay for new doors and new windows for the old building. And on Monday, we were approved for that. And so uh, it's quite a bit. And it'll help us get all the doors. And by the way, those are expensive. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll get nice doors leading into the building, hopefully some of the ones on the inside. And then the old... Um, I don't know, the, the, the chapel ones that are like that, super expensive, we'll get new ones there. So we thank, we're thankful that God allowed us to get that. And then one update before we get started. <coughs> yeah, I, I, we are off, I think our offering for Brother Tongdi is becoming like that, that revival on that college over there. It's ongoing. Uh, and so I think the final total we got was like $24,000. And so thank you for doing that. And by the way, that's a huge investment for them. That, 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 that's for men that are training to go into the ministry in their own country. That's a closed country. And so they only have, you know, well, you have missionaries that go in there, but you can multiply what you're doing by getting the nationals involved as well. And uh, they have a good group of young nationals there, and so we were able to buy the dorm, and uh, maybe they'll name one of the rooms after us or something over there. So thank you for your generosity and, and being able to take those on and so forth. <coughs> now, we're, we're in our... Our last chapter in the books, we've been going through our discipleship books for a couple years now. We've been going very, very slowly. We're talking about spiritual fruit. And <clears throat> at first we looked at the works of the flesh, which are the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. But we started looking at the fruit of the Spirit. We've looked at the first one, which is, anybody know that the fruit of the Spirit is? Love. Love is, to me, one of the greatest ones. Of course, 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that. And it is vitally important because really it's the motivation for all of them. Corinthians tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, and now abideth faith, hope, and charity. <coughs> these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Anything we do without charity or without love is really meaningless. Yep. Okay? 
Now we're going to look at a new one. We're going to look at joy. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. Seems almost weird that God would command us to have joy, right? How do you you command someone to have that? But God does. And if we understand it correctly, we'll see why he does command us to have it. If you ask people what they're looking for in life, they may give you a list of things, you know. I want this. I want this. You know, maybe it's a goal they're trying to achieve. Maybe it's financial security. They'll just go through a bunch of things, you know. (coughs) The right spouse, family, blah, 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 blah. They'll go through all those things. But if you bring all those things down to its core, why do they want those things? Because deep down, they think, whatever it is they name, they think if they get that, they'll have joy, right? I mean, if I find the right person to get to married to, I'll have joy. If I find that right job and I'm <clears throat> making good money and I'm being successful at work, I'll have joy. And you just name it, whatever it is. They, at the core of it, they think that that brings joy. And, or they can call it happiness, right? <clears throat> you ask a parent that's maybe not a Christian. It's like, what do you want for your children? And they'll say, I just want them to be healthy and happy, right? Now, I want them to do God's will while they, why they are healthy. And if you want to use the word happy, and I know the difference between the words, I'm not bickering here. But because... As, as unregenerate or as fleshly individuals, we don't know where to find joy. That's why someone can work all their life. If, if their goal is to be successful and have a lot of money and, and that's their thing and that's going to bring me joy. And the sad thing is if they put everything they can into that and they attain it and then they look around and say, I still don't have joy. Because joy doesn't come from those things. Over the course of history, men have written (coughs) about their pursuit for joy and how they got there. We've given this list before, but I'll give it to you. A very famous infidel, uh, uh, Voltaire, he said this, I wish I had never been born. A, A man named Lord Byron, who was very, very wealthy, said of his life, the worm, the canker, and grief are mine alone. Jay Gould, who at the turn of the last century was a a big-time American millionaire, said, I suppose I am the most miserable man on earth. Another wealthy Englishman, Lord Baconsfield, said, Youth is a mistake, manhood is a struggle, old age a regret. And Alexander the Great, who conquered the known world by the time he was uh, in his early 30s, said, Crying, there are no more worlds to conquer. And by the way, he died shortly thereafter. Let's take it to the Bible, shall we? <clears throat> the man everybody would want to be would be King Solomon. He had all the women he wanted. He had all the money. Okay, Jerry, thank you for sharing. Uh, <laughs> uh, he had all the money. He was, pro- he was the richest man in history. He ran a kingdom, and it was a peaceful and a prosperous kingdom. He was the wisest man that ever lived. He had everything. God came to him and said, Solomon, tell me what you want. You talk about a, 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 you know, it's not a genie in a bottle, but you know what I'm talking about, Aladdin. 
God said, you can have whatever you want. And God said, and he said, I want wisdom and an understanding heart to lead your people. And God said, correct answer, I'll give you wealth, I'll give you wisdom, I'll give you, the, I'll give you your enemies, I'll give you peace, I'll give you all of it. And it's like, wow, that really worked out well for him. Did, have you ever read Ecclesiastes? We did a whole series on Ecclesiastes probably about four years ago. And the name of the series was The Autobiography of a Confused Believer. And if you want to know what Solomon thought about everything that he got and everything he chased, you read chapter 1, anything I saw, I got it. Anything I wanted, I got it. And he says in chapter 2 and verse 17, a phrase that we have a hard time believing. Therefore, I hated life. It's hard for us to understand. We hear of celebrities and people that have money and people that we would envy, not me, but we would envy what they have and they commit suicide and say, what's that all about? Because they were searching for joy and they didn't find it in what they were looking for. In the, in the, in the mode they used to try to attain it. But God wants us to have joy. The fact that God tells us to be joyful means that we can be joyful at all times, and in every situation. That doesn't mean that in every situation at all times, we're, it's, joyous things are happening to us, right? Come on, it's life. Going through life, there's deal, things you get to deal with, and, and difficulties, and trials, and tragedies, and you got to deal with all of it. But in those times, and we'll understand joy as we go through it, in those times, you can still have joy. Don't see joy as just something that is seen in prosperity. It also means that joy is something that transcends the complications and trials of life. It rises above all of the things that we face. That's so vastly different than how we see it. We see joy, well, things are going well for me. I don't have any problems in my life. I'm joyful or happy. They can use the word happy. <coughs> I have an excess of resources. I'm experiencing smooth sailing in life. Everything's going my way. I am so full of joy. But I'll be honest with you. Anybody can have joy when things are like that. Or happiness. It won't last, even if things continue to go well. Joy remains, though, despite problems because it is not obtained by not having problems. Joy remains despite a lack of funds or a lack of resources because we don't ob obtain joy because of having resources. Joy transcends all of it. Joy is something that is developed by the Spirit of God as a result of our relationship with Him. Therefore, circumstances cannot affect it. Because circumstances can't derail your relationship with God. Only if you allow it to. If our joy is not obtained by outward circumstances, then those circumstances cannot steal it. Do you understand no one can take your joy from you? But you can allow, you can, you can give them your joy or allow it to take your joy from you. Philippians 4.4 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. And then he just, he repeats it, like, let me make sure you're, you're, you're picking this up. And again, I say rejoice. 
Don't, no, no, well, I would have joy if it wasn't for this person. No, you're allowing them to take it from you. I haven't mentioned this in a, in a long, long time, but when I was in Bible college, after I got, after I got married, I left off campus, so I, I, where I worked, I, I started going with another guy. He was, an he was an older student, off-campus student. And so he would pick me up, and I would go to work with him at, at Solo Cup. And um, he worked back in the printing department where they would, where they would print the, get the plates for the, the, the cups or whatever. And <clears throat> one night as I was working, I, I kept hearing his name over the speaker. Someone was saying, they were, they were paging him. So-and-so, where are you at? We're looking for you. We need to get this done. Where'd you go? I mean, literally, just like that. Everybody in the place heard it. And I saw, I saw him later. I said, hey, what's going on? We're, 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 they were looking for you all night. What's going on? He goes, I was there working. He goes, they were saying that trying to get me in trouble. And I said, man, doesn't that make you want to, because I'm a good Christian. I said, man, doesn't it make you just want to pray for them? I don't think I said pray for them. Doesn't that irritate you? Doesn't that just make you like, I'll get back at them. And he, and he said something that was really profound. He goes, Steve, I had decided a long time ago, I'm not going to let anybody take my joy. Come on. Amen. I'm like, man, that wasn't even church, but that was good stuff right there. Yeah. And I, forgot, I remember that all the way to, the, to now. You know, people don't steal your joy, you give it to them. Yeah. And so we can have joy at any time. You can be filled with joy. And God wants you to be filled with joy. And God doesn't want us just to have a, a little joy. God wants us to have a, a lot of joy. You look at 1 John, he says, I'm writing this book that you might have joy. And that your joy might be filled. Look, I, I like coffee. Because I'm, I'm a Christian. It kind of goes hand in hand, right? That's chapter 10, why Christians should drink coffee. And so, you know, look, there's only one thing better than a cup of coffee. Two cups of coffee. Right? You know, it's the only thing, you know, hey, would you like, you, you, whatever, pick your favorite food, and they give you a little bit. Would you like more? The correct answer is, duh. Right? I mean, if something's good, do we want a little of it, or would, do we want a lot of it? He says, look, I want you to have joy, and I'm writing these things that your joy might be full. <coughs> Old-time preachers have just assumed throughout the ages that the Christian concept of joy is true because of the Bible. An old-time preacher of the past, J.C. Ryle, said, I, have, I assert without hesitation that the conversion described in scriptures is a happy thing and not a miserable one. Is that if, if that is converted, if that converted, if the converted persons are not happy, the fault must be in themselves. I am confident the converted man is the happiest man. By the way, you look at some people, it's like, you look at them, it's like, is salvation really that bad? Is living for God really that miserable? You know, what do they say? If you're saved, tell your face. Okay? But some people treat it like that. Oh, yeah, serving Jesus. I'll make it to the, well, maybe the promised land someday. They're going to be miserable until we get there. And I love the song. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. And I understand what they mean by that. I'm not nitpicking. But, but if you mean by that, you know, it's not worth it until we get to see Jesus, then I, 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 don't, I don't agree with that. And that's not what they're saying. Okay, it's worth it now. It's a better way to live. Jonathan Edwards 
said, Jesus knew that all mankind were in the pursuit of happiness. He has directed them in the true way to it. And he tells them what they must become in order to be blessed and happy. God's not against your joy. God's not against your happiness. And I understand, you know, happenings and all that and all that. I get it. The joy that God wants us to experience is not limited. If our joy is limited, it's because we have chosen to limit it. I want God's blessing in my life, and, and he doesn't seem giving my blessing. You're limiting him. I want, I want God to, I, wanna, I want all that, but I just don't feel like. It's because you're limiting yourself. You don't have to. There it is in John 15, 11, not just 1 John. <coughs> These things have I spoken unto you, says Jesus, that my joy might remain in you. I don't want you to lose it. And that your joy might be full. And I don't want you to have just a little bit. Okay? I mean, I want you to have a lot. You know, you're going to find this hard to believe. When I was younger, I, I struggled. I was, I was extremely thin. Super thin. I mean, to the, I, I, I went to get an interview for a job at a warehouse. And, um, and I went in there. I had like four interviews. The last one was with the supervisor of the shift, and I went in there. He goes, look, Steve, let me just tell you what's going on here. They love everything about you. It's just that we just think you're, you're, too, you're too thin to do this. And I'm like, man, I wish I heard that. I haven't heard that lately. <laughs> and I'm like, brother, give me an opportunity to prove you wrong, and he did. But I remember I went up to visit my brother and my sister-in-law, and I think she noticed I was thin. Like she fed us, I remember she fed us lunch one day and she gave my brother or something and she gave me something that was like three times as much as my brother. It was like, in a, I'm like, what are you trying to do, kill me? Like, you know, no, I'm trying to fatten you up. Like, well, you can't do it in one meal, okay? We got to work on this. But, I, but, but God doesn't want us just to have a little full means to abound, to be filled up. We have to understand, this is the key. Joy is a result of your relationship with God. It starts with salvation, but it's got to be cultivated through that regular daily relationship with God. That is why it's not dependent on circumstances. So if it, doesn't, if it comes from God and not people, then people should not be able to steal it. Don't let them. People get irritated about the everything, and that person just irritates me. And every time I see them, it just, ah. You want to... Bible example just came to my mind. Haman in the book of Esther. Okay, here's Haman. He was the right hand of Artaxerxes, King Artaxerxes. He got everything. He was being, he was being uplifted and, and the boss loved him and he got anything he wanted and there was one Jew, Mordecai, that wouldn't bow down to him. And he called him. He tells his family, it doesn't matter what happens as long as that guy won't bow down. One person, really? By the way, how'd that work out for him? He literally lost his head. He literally got he gets murdered. He got put to death. He got hung. Because one person. Now, he, you know, he was wrong for what he was doing. It doesn't come, if, if, if our joy comes from God and not our possession, our joy comes from God and not from possessions. So if we're struggling with our possessions, it shouldn't steal our joy. It comes from God, not from just having a peaceful life. Therefore, don't let problems steal it. Just be with God. 
When we spend time with him, we are in his presence. That is where true joy is found. So let me ask you this. If that is true, in thy presence is fullness of joy. If we don't have joy, what is that telling us? We're not spending enough time in his presence. You know, people come to church and it's like, you know, they come on Sunday morning or whatever, <coughs> the new person says, I love it. You know, it's great. The, they've got a good spirit. We've got a lot of friendly people. This is great. And that's good. Church is important. You get a lot of joy from coming to church and being around godly people and learning. But what about the rest of the week? I'm not going to come to your house Tuesday morning and have a church service with you. Okay? But you can meet with God. You can have that relationship with God all the time. And I know, I, I appreciate prayer and, and friends, and you text me, people text me all the time. You know, hey, this is going on, please pray for this situation or do this or that or whatever, and we all do that for each other. But listen, there's times it's just, it needs to be you and God. Get prayer help and go to God alone. We're not Catholics. You don't have to go to, to this guy, you know. Who's, who's the one for cars? St. Christopher? Right? Oh, you know, he's the saint of helping you drive correctly. Some of you need to get that. Okay, you know, he'll keep you from getting accidents. I knew a guy one time, he had one of those, and, and uh, it was the only thing that survived the wreck, the St. Christopher thing, all right? We don't need to go to a saint to get that. We go straight to God. Yep. You need that relationship with him. It's a joy <coughs> that transcends, transcends the world because it's a result of our relationship with God. Look at Psalm 16, verse 11. He says, thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. It all comes from God. So a lack of joy is a signal, now listen to this, that there is a problem in my relationship with God. There is. You have either let something cut into it, you have let something block you from it, or you have forgotten about it. By the way, you know what's good about it? If, if a lack of joy in my life is a sign from God that something's wrong, here's the good part about that. That means it's fixable. That means it could just, hey, I just need to go to God. Sometimes we carry a burden or something on us, and, and we allow that to drag us down, and I'm not saying we don't need to deal with it, but why don't we bring it to God? See, what we want to do is we want to fix it ourselves, and then if everything blows up, I'll bring it to God. No, fulfill your responsibilities, but bring it to God and ask God to help you to clear that thing up. But joy is something we have to have at all times. But let's not forget that just because God commands us to be joyful doesn't mean that every situation is always joyful. Christians are not bulletproof. By the way, that's what's wrong with the prosperity gospel. And they're all over the place. You know, word of knowledge, and I'll call it in existence, and let's take an offering so I can buy a new jet. God wants you to be rich and healthy. That, Paul didn't get the memo. The disciples didn't get the memo. Right? <coughs> we had a guy that was coming to church here off and on, and, and he was a good guy, but he had been mixed up in this prosperity doctrine. And, and I would go and visit him, and oh, I'm listening to this guy, and I'm like, that's just not, that's not, you know, these Creflo Dollar and all these other deceivers. And, and he was a good guy, and I was trying to help him, and, and, and he lost his job. Lived in the Hawthorne area. And I go visit him. Come on, you can get through this. 
And, and I knew it was going to come. I knew it because of that teaching that got in his mind. He was struggling to find a job. He was getting a little behind. And I, he said, you know, Steve, I'm losing my faith in God. I said, because you listened to wrong teaching. Just because you're struggling right now doesn't mean God's abandoned you. Now, if you believe that false doctrine, that's what you're going to believe. It's my fault. I just don't have enough faith. No, you, you think you wanted God to be a magic genie to give you everything. Yeah. I'll come to God, and, and he has a wonderful plan for your life, and he does, but sometimes that plan goes through the valley. Yeah. Joy. Rejoice evermore. I want you to turn to Psalm 73. I want us to look at this, these verses. They're not in your book. See, Asaph struggled with this in Psalm chapter 73. Asaph was a song leader, <coughs> the leader of the of the singers. And he had an issue in his life, and it almost caused him to derail. Psalm chapter 73, we'll just quickly read and make a few comments here. Psalm chapter 73 and verse 1, he said, Truly God is good to Israel, even as such are of a clean heart. Now, that's encouraging to read that verse because once you read the rest of the chapter, it's like, oh, he's going to be derailed. But this teaches us that he already got the problem right. He's just explaining it to us, okay? He says, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My, my steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He said, I'm starting to slip in my faith because I'm seeing these wicked people and it seems like everything's going good for them. By the way, you're going to be tempted to be like that too. Well, how come these wicked people that, that hate God and they're pushing all this agenda, how come they seem to have everything? Number one, they don't have everything. I don't care what kind of car they drive. And number two, it's all going to be accounted for someday. Yeah, there you go. The, the, the story's not been told. Then he continues. Look at verse 12. Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper. Okay, they do, but what's the next three words? He says, in this world. Big deal there. They increase in riches. Ver Look what he says. Verily, I've cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. In innocency. Sounds like he lost his joy. He says, man, it's not even worth it for me to live right and live holy. For all day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I speak, I will, I will speak thus. Behold, I should not offense against a generation of children. When I thought to knew, know this, look what he says. It was too painful for me. He says, I don't get it. I'm trying to serve God. I'm trying to do the right thing. These people hate God. These people are hurting people, and it seems like everything's going good for them. And you read the, the chapter, the ones I didn't read, and he's talking about all these things, and, and he's got a lot of misconceptions. They don't have problems like other men. Yes, they do. They're just hidden. But what changed his mind? Verse uh, 17. He says, until, good word right there, transition. Not that kind of transition. <coughs> until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. He goes, you know what? I went to the house of God. I went to the place of God and I heard it. I understand what's coming for them. It's not all roses and flowers. He goes, and then he says, surely thou hast set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down in destruction. You know what he said? Payday's coming. Oh yeah, they're not getting away with their stuff. And then his perspective starts to change. Now he sees things from an eternal perspective. Look at Psalm, verse 23. Nevertheless, I am continually with me, with thee. 
Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterwards receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven? And there is none upon the earth that I desire besides thee. What's that? The relationship's back. Right? Um, my flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go whoring from thee, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in God that I may declare all his works. You know what he says? It doesn't matter what they have. It doesn't matter what's going on in my life. I have something they cannot ever have. I have a relationship with the living God. Amen. Now, here's the deal. We all believe that, but we still want the stuff. We all believe that, but we still struggle when circumstances don't go our way. Sometimes it's got to be proved. Sometimes we have to see things and say, you know what? Is it really true in my life? Thankfully, he got through it. But it's our relationship with God that keeps us grounded and solidifies our joy. That is why a lack of joy, as I said earlier, is something wrong with your relationship with God and my relationship with God. But you know, the, one of the problems is for Christians, and I'm, I'm winding it up here, is that we struggle with the concept of having joy. There's a saying, and don't say amen because I'm going to make a comment, okay? I would rather be holy. God's more concerned with your holiness than he is your happiness. How many of you heard that? Brother John, I don't, I don't, I don't buy it. I get what they're saying, by the way. Kind of like, you know, like it will be worth it all. I still sing it. But you know what that is saying to me if we're not careful? That living holy doesn't bring joy. I disagree with that. I had, a guy, I had a guy tell me one time, Christian guy, we worked together at the warehouse. And he said, you know, I met this guy and he was a heathen guy. And he, you know, he's like, he's, he's, this guy, his lifestyle was a train wreck, living in all kinds of sin, doing his own thing. He goes, I tried to witness to the guy. He goes, the guy didn't get saved. So he goes, you know what I told him? I said, well, man, if you're going to be a heathen, be the best heathen, heathen you can be because that's the only happiness you're going to have on this, you're going to have. Yeah. And I looked at him, I said, I totally disagree with you because I don't think living that way brings happiness. I don't think it brings joy. We have to be very careful. <coughs> we speak about joy, <coughs> joy and it almost seems wrong. But God wants us to have joy. It's a Christian concept. By the way, and I know we all have these little sayings, you know, it's, I'd rather be holy and happiness. Why choose? I'll take both. Come on, I'll, I'll take both. It's like, you know, if, if, if that's all it is, let's just go live in a mo monastery somewhere. No, that doesn't sound good. Unsaved are looking for joy, and Christians have found it. The problem is we have to accept it. Do you know the world, the people, some of the people we look for, we're looking for it, and they never found it? I found this interesting. John Lennon of the Beatles once wrote a, a letter to an evangelist. John Lennon's the one who said that the Beatles were more popular than Jesus. Now, I don't think he meant later on he tried to explain it. He, I don't think he was trying to be blasphemous there. He was just making a point that, you know, at that time, more people seemed to be going into them than, than the Lord. In this letter to the evangelist, he, he quoted a line from his song. He said, money can't buy me love. And then he said to this evangelist, it's true. He said, the point is, I want happiness. <coughs> I don't want to keep on with the drugs. And by the way, in the, in the line, he, he talks about how 
um, Paul McCartney asked, because he'd get on Paul McCartney sometimes about doing drugs, and he's like, what is that all about? And he just told him he didn't want to do it. He goes, I don't want to keep on with the drugs. He did eventually get into it. Explain to me, he said to this evangelist, what Christianity can do for me. Is it phony? Can he love me? I want out of hell. Now look, I don't think he found it. And unfortunate, the evangelist that he wrote this to is somebody that had the false greed doctrine. But everybody, everybody's looking for it. Everybody's looking for it. And they think they found it in things. But our joy is found in our relationship with God. <coughs> I'll end with this. <coughs> I read a, a, a quote by a, a secular researcher. Her name was Sonia. Um, she's from somewhere else, and I can't even pronounce her last name. She said, I don't have a religious or spiritual bone in my body. But she did admit her studies clearly showed that religious people, in her mind, she called it religious, are happier. So here was her advice. If it seems natural for you to practice religion and spirituality, then by all means do it. Because she knew that's, those people had more joy. Now look, we know better. We may not have all of the stuff the world has, but we have the big thing the world's looking for and they don't know where to find it. We have joy. And that joy is tied to your relationship with God. So the amount of joy you have in your life depends on the strength and consistency of your relationship with God. So let me ask you this. How's that going? It's one thing to know where it's at. It's another thing to go there daily and get it. Especially when God wants us to have it. Let's, uh, let's bow our head and close our eyes and we'll pray together. Father, we do thank you. <coughs> For your love. Lord, it's amazing to me that you loved us enough to give us eternal life, but Lord, you want us to have joy in the journey. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to understand the importance of our relationship with you. And Father, the, the, the effect it has on how we see life and how we view life and our emotional, our emotional outlook, Lord, you want us to have joy and yes, we all go through occasions and problems that are not joyous, and we struggle with that. That's human nature. But Father, as we stay close to you, we can have that joy that you want us to have. And I pray that we all strive here tonight. Bless us now until we meet together again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.